According to the National Center for Health Statistics, the life expectancy 2016 for the average American was 78.6 years of age. For men, it was 76.1. Let's see who's getting close. Some of us are approaching, and some of us are doing a countdown going, I've got 10, 15, 20 more years to finish the goals I have for life. For ladies, it's 81.1. So ladies, you have a little bit more time and you keep the average up for us. The 10 leading causes of death in 2016 hadn't changed in 2015. I imagine as the stats come out, they'll be very similar in 2017. Heart disease and cancer and unintentional injuries, which I'm kind of wondering what's that about? Maybe car accident or something. Chronic lower respiratory disease, stroke, Alzheimer's disease, diabetes, influenza and pneumonia, kidney disease, and rank number 10 is suicide. Death. It's all around us. We deal with it all the time. We see it on the news often. And if you haven't experienced it close to home yet, you will. Especially as you get older and family members get older and friends get older. And then you'll be visiting more and more funerals and saying goodbye to loved ones. Do you know the Bible talks about death from several different perspectives? And many times when we look at it and we think, well, yeah, the Bible talks about it, and I hear about it when I go to a funeral, but it actually talks about the difference between living a, a life that is actually in death and living a life that is of the Spirit. The Bible tells us that all men have died to something. For example, before you became a Christian, you were dead to the things of Christ. In other words, you didn't understand the things of Christ. Now, for some in this room, maybe you're on that journey where you haven't decided to accept Christ as your Savior, and you say, I'm not sure that I'm a Christian yet. Well, you may have a hard time understanding some things of God because of this terminology that the Bible talks about, calls it dead to Christ, which means you have a hard time understanding His teachings and what He desires for your life. And I pray that today as we walk through several scriptures, maybe some things will open up for you if you're on that path. I pray for you that if you are in Christ today as we look through these scriptures and we see the comparison between being dead and being alive, that we'll surely embrace the life that we have in Christ and say no to the old way of living. Ephesians 2 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Now this text right here is when the Apostle Paul had written a letter back to the church in Ephesus and he's reminding them, saying, remember who you were, don't live that way. I want to encourage you to live in Christ. And today we're going to walk through a couple other passages to the, book of, to the group in Rome, uh, the book of Romans, which was, which was written to Christians and non-Christians in Rome. And we're going to look at some different passages and go, okay, what did he say to the church in Galatia? And see this whole idea of death and life. Death and life, what does it look like? What is Paul saying? basically saying right here in, a, in this passage in Ephesians that before knowing Christ, he's saying, we like sin. Before you accepted Christ, sin was your partner. Before you accepted Christ, you enjoyed sin. We like to live by the ways of the world is what Paul's saying. 
Paul's saying, before you accepted Jesus Christ, hey, whatever the world took you, whatever the world offered to you, you said, hey, bring it on, I love it. It's part of my life, I enjoy it. And Paul's saying, listen, we took care of those fleshly desires when we turned our life over to Christ. He says, and so, now what do you do? You don't want to go back to it. He says, you said goodbye to that life. And he says, you were doomed for God's wrath when you lived in that way. You were, your destiny was to be eternally separated from God. But there's some good news, some very good news in Ephesians 2. It says, but God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it is only by God's grace that you and I have been saved. Jesus died on that cross right there. He died on that cross, put in a tomb. Three days later, he rose from the grave, and his submission to death and his victory over the tomb gives us an opportunity to be saved. We know that as the Easter event that we just celebrated a couple weeks ago. And so now the question I've been asking is now what? What I didn't want to do is I didn't want to this year bring us to Palm Sunday and talk about Jesus enters in and then go and talk about how the cross was the end of his week and then he goes through the crucifixion, he goes into the tomb, he rises again, we all celebrate that day and say, great, now let's just go talk about marriage or let's go talk about money or let's go talk about some other, other topic because when you really believe in what happened on the cross, your life should be different and the way you live should be different. But for too many of us, the cross is just something we wear around our neck or some symbol that hangs in our room or it's some bookmark that's in one of our books. But when we really look at the cross and we see all of what's involved with that, we should live differently. And so we have to ask the question, now what? Because Jesus did that, now what? Because of the cross, because of the death, because of the burial, because of the resurrection, now what? And so last week we said, now I can trust in Him. I can fully put my hands in Him. Last week, because of the cross, I'm able to trust in God. I can put my worries, I can put my stresses, I can put my concerns, everything in life in His hands. And what did we do last week? We saw the illustration that you lean upon Him. Full weight, as we brought the kids up on stage, crossing your arm, leaning back into Christ and letting Christ hold you in life, it's a full weight lean and saying, Lord, my hands, my body, my soul, who I am, completely is in you. It says, I can trust God. Today, I want you to understand that because of the cross, we are able to live for God. Because of the cross, we're able to live for Him. And because of the cross, he guides us and shows us how to do that. Galatians 2.20, this is again, Apostle Paul writes to the church in Galatia and says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Look what Paul says. Paul says, I no longer live. So let me talk to those in this room who accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that's probably the largest percentage in this room. When you said, I believe in Jesus Christ, when you confessed Him as your Savior, when you repented of your sins and you met Him in a watery grave of baptism, you said, I no longer live for myself. 
That's what Paul's saying. He said, I no longer live. Now Christ lives inside of me. Christ is the director of my heart, the director of my mind, the director of my soul. He's the one that guides my past. I submit to his will and his way. He leads my life. It's no longer about me. Galatians 5, Paul tells us, so I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit was contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That word conflict with each other, it actually in the original language means they are at war with each other. There is a battle that is going on inside of us that we are fighting against, and that is going back to the sinful nature. And Paul is saying, listen, this conflict has taken place. You need to be aware of it, that you're going to be drawn back to live in the flesh, live in the ways of the world. And he says, listen, that conflict has taken place, and he's bringing it forward before us right here. And he says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's saying, that's the way you used to live. That's what the sinful nature enjoyed. That's how the sinful nature would walk. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. He's given us a comparison and contrast. Here's what it was like when you lived in that sinful nature. Here's what it was like when you were dead to Christ. But now that you're alive to Christ, you're in Christ, here is what it should be like in your life. The King James Version is actually more accurate here. What the NIV translates as sinful nature, and the King James is literally flesh. What Paul is saying is that we should live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Why would Paul use such a word? Because flesh is where I make contact with the world. This is how we, we stay in contact with the world. We touch, we feel, we taste the five senses, we smell. Flesh is where I sense pleasure and pain. Flesh contains my bodily organs, my lifeblood. When someone looks at me and recognizes me, it's my flesh that they see. They're going to look at me and go, well, that's Brian Bolton. Because of the way that I look. And I'm going to look at you and say, well, there's John, or there's Sally, or there's Susan, or there's Mike. Because we recognize each other by our flesh. And we do things to take care of our flesh. We lavish it with lotions and colognes and soaps, and I'm glad some of you do a lot of that. We get up, we take showers, we clean, we clean this fleshly body, we, we take baths. I think most of us do. Right? We take care of this fleshly body. I was in Dillard yesterday. There was a whole lot of flesh pampering going on. As you walk from one counter to another counter to makeup getting done, to hair getting done, to spritzes of cologne that's being spread, just to take care of this fleshly body. Flesh is God's code word for our endeavors to serve our personal desires. That's what it is. He said, this here, when you take care of the flesh, you're taking care of your personal desires. And sin can be boiled down to that which helps us serve our flesh by either bringing it pleasure or by avoiding pain. He says, when you're just trying to take care of the flesh, that I just want to make sure that I feel good. 
take care of me, myself, and I. And the Bible tells us that we have a choice, that we live either for self, the flesh, or we live for God. But we cannot serve two masters. Which one I choose, I have to die to the other. There's no way to live for the flesh and live for God. They don't coincide together. We make a choice, which one am I going to live for? Paul addressed this issue when guiding the church in Rome. As well, when he wrote these words in Romans chapter 8, he says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by flesh is hostile to God. You're in war against God is what that means. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. And then he says, you, however, as he's sharing this with Christians, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. You see, again, the comparison and the contrast. We're seeing it as he writes from one church to another church to another church as he's writing to Christians and saying, here's what it's like to live in the Spirit. Here's what it's like to live in the flesh. And in Romans 8 9, Paul makes a very curious statement. When he says, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If. Personally, I think he wrote that word if because he saw Christians who said, I believe in Christ but they're accepting the ways of the world and living in the world. He's saying, if you really do believe in the, in the Spirit of God lives in you, then you're not going to make choices to gratify the desires of the flesh. You're going to make choices that will honor God Almighty. He meant, did you make that choice to die of the flesh? If so, then start living like that. And he continues in Romans 8 when he says, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. I mean, Paul is just unpacking a huge theological understanding right now that we need to grasp that if we are in Christ, we don't live like the world. Are we guilty? Do we sit here guilty today? Maybe teeter-tottering, eh, Christ one day, the world another day? Do we go back and forth? Do we wrestle with that all the time? See, you really don't have to keep remaking this decision to live in Christ in the Spirit. When you became a Christian, you were crucified with Christ. You died when you made that choice. And Paul's saying, quit going back to it. That's what Paul is teaching in Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, that in order, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a, a new life. If you've embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior, He's offered us a new life. And Paul is saying, why are you going back to the old stuff? The old stuff is useless. Paul, Paul's not saying we need to keep dying again and again. He's saying, you've already died, now live like it. You've already said no to the, to the ways of the world that are unhealthy and not beneficial. He says, live like that. When I was 12 years old, 
Many of you know this. I've shared this before. My uncle had an accident and fell off his front porch 18 inches and broke his neck. and He was paralyzed from the neck down. We spent months upon months. I don't remember. It was probably nearly a year going to hospitals in Detroit as, as he lays in the quadriplegic wing over there in a the hospital. We got to know every single one of the patients that were up there. We got to know the nurses and the doctors and even got to know the janitors. And, and, and just because when you're there every single day with your parents or, or a couple times a week at least, we even got to know a lot of the security guards. Some of the security guards there in Detroit would try to teach me how to play basketball right there in, a, in the hallway of the hospital. Brian, hey, let's do this drill. Let's do that drill while, while we were making visits. And one of the security guards kind of uh, took a liking to me. He said, you want to tour the inside of the hospital? I said, that'd be really cool. So we go on this little tour, and he showed me all this in-kind stuff. He said, you want to see the morgue? I was like, ah. Uh, I don't know my mom and dad would like that. Well, it's up to you if you want to see it. Uh, all right, let's do it. Any 12-year-old love to see the morgue. So we go down, and you know, they take us in this morgue, and there's all these silver boxes looked all stacked up, all these handles sticking out. There's some beds over there. Luckily, there was no body laying there. And he said, do you want to see a body? I was like, I don't know about that. He said, come on, I won't show you the whole thing, just a little bit. I was like, all right, I'll do it. And he opened up the door, and right there is laying a dead person with their feet. That's all I saw, their feet and a little tag on the toe, I guess identifying who they are. And the feet were gnarly, green and nasty. I'll never forget. I think to this day, one reason I do ministry and I can walk in any kind of hospital situation is because of spending nearly a year in a hospital and seeing all that goes on. And, and, all, and God just used that to shape me for today. But uh, that morgue experience, I'll never forget the picture of that. Can that I'll never forget it. Now, just, just imagine for a moment, if I went down to the local hospital here and went to the morgue or went to the funeral home morgue, and I brought one of those dead bodies here, and I set that dead body up in a chair right over here. Okay, just go with me on this for a second. You set that body up in that chair over here, and then I bring in some scantily clad dressed woman coming down here shaking and dancing in front of that dead body. What do you think that dead body is going to do? Nothing. Not going to stare, not going to turn its head, not going to blink, not going to say, oh yeah, let's give me some more. Nothing. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, you died to that old way, and when that old way comes, don't engage with it at all. He's saying, let it all go. Don't even look at it. Don't even blink at it. He, he, he would be dead and he would not stare at her or blink at her or think anything about this scantily clad woman dancing. And Paul's saying, that's what you're doing with sin. You're going, well, that looks good. Oh, no, I'll go over here. Oh, that looks good. And we're driving ourselves crazy trying to live in two worlds. And Paul's saying, because of the cross, there's no sense in doing it like that anymore. There's no sense in living that way. So let me ask you, when did your death happen? So Paul tells us in Romans, it happens when you decide to become a Christian. When you believe, when you've repented, when you confess Jesus as your, your master and you're buried, your old man or your old woman self in a watery grave of baptism. So I've died to this fleshly body if you've done that. And what do you do with it? I can't cast it aside like an old rag because we still have these bodies while we're here on earth. And even though I'm Christian, I still have this body. So what am I going to do? Well, I can deny I have a fleshly body that still tempts me to sin. Or I can deny myself in contact, myself any contact with the world that will tempt my flesh. Or I can do what Paul talks about in Galatians 2.20. See, some of us say, well, oh, I can't do anything in the world. So now I do nothing. I just totally get away from it. But Paul says, the life I live in a body, I live by faith. 
and the Son of God. He says, listen, you still have this fleshly body. That's how God put it all together. And so when you died, yes, you receive a new body. It's because the Spirit of God is living inside of you. And he says, and now what do you do? You live by faith. Paul say, now as a Christian, my primary focus is not what pleases me. My primary focus is not what makes me feel good. My primary focus is not that because he loved me and he gave himself for me. And because of the cross, I'm able to live for him. Because of the cross. The general, John B. Gordon, one of the best known generals in the South in the Civil War, he led the last official attack on a Union that Sunday morning in April 1865 when Lee surrendered to Grant. And a man who served under him in the Confederate Army became angry over some, of, some political incident and as a member of the legislature vowed to do everything in his power to defeat him and thought, I will not let John B. Gordon win the election. When the convention convened, he stormed on the aisle with his anti-Gordon vote in hand. And on that platform sat his old commander, one with a once handsome face that's now disfigured by the scars of battle. As he saw Gordon, memories of the old days came back as he was overcome with emotion, remembering the times of battle that they went through together. Tears became streaming down his cheek as he's thinking about, I'm standing against my commander who commanded me in the armies. And he says, it's no use as he spokes up to the rest of the, the political people there. It's no use, boys. I can't do it. Here goes my vote for John B. Gordon. Turning to the general, he said, forgive me, general. I had forgotten the scars. And church, I just close with a question for you. Have we forgotten the scars? When we go back to embrace the ways of the flesh, when we want to live in this world, what we're doing is saying, Lord, I, I forgot the scars I forgot the pain. I forgot the suffering. I've set it aside for now. We can live for God through faith in Jesus Christ. And church, I just call you, honor Jesus and the cross by living for Him and being directed by the Spirit that lives inside of you. And if you're here today and you say, I've never accepted Jesus as my Savior, we'd love to help you on that journey. We're going to move to a time of communion and more worship. And you're like, I want to do that. Move to the back of the room. We'll meet you back there and help you take those steps of faith. Use your connection card and say, hey, let's start talking about what this means to walk in Christ, to be a Christian. We'd love to help you know what it means to move away from living in a flesh and living by the Spirit of God. Bow your heads with me. Father God, may we never forget the scars, Lord. May we never forget the, the sacrifice of the cross. Jesus, you gave your life. God, you gave us your son so that we no longer need to embrace this world, no longer need to, to walk in this world, no longer need to live by the flesh. Lord, help us to live by the spirit. And Lord, with your help and our faith in you, we know we can live by the spirit. Lord, this world needs Christians who will not have a foot in both worlds, but who will be totally surrendered to your way and your wills. Lord, help us to be that church. Help us to be those people. Father, today as we receive these emblems and we partake in 
this time of communion, this simple meal that you instituted. Father, remind us of who we are in you. Remind us, Lord, of the death and the burial and the resurrection. Help us to never forget the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.